Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser Permanente. I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Middle United States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And before we get into anything else, even the rest of this intro, we are starting this podcast because you are listening to this podcast on January 7th. And we're going to talk about some other important dates in this episode. We're even going to talk about another birthday in this episode, but there is no other way that I will allow a Cubs-related podcast that I co-host on January 7th to begin than by wishing a very happy birthday to none other than Jonathan Tyler Lester, ladies and gentlemen, the left-hander, number 34, ya boy, happy birthday, John Lester. He is now 36 years old. I have gone through my feelings and thoughts about John many many times. And so I don't think we need to do that. We're going to reminisce on some other things in this episode. We've done some reminiscing in the past, but I would not start this show any other way than wishing John a very, very happy birthday. He is an all-star. He is a World Series champion three times over. He was the 2016 co-NLCS MVP along with Javi Baez. He is a cancer survivor. He is an all-around amazing human being, and he is one of the biggest and best signings in Chicago sports history. 
He was brought over to help end the Cubs World Series drought, and just two years into his contract, he helped them do just that. And not to be forgotten, he has also developed into an all-around threat on the bases as a power hitter, as an elite-level bunter. John, I love you. Happy birthday. But you guys, of course, hearing this on Tuesday morning, January 7th, but as Brendan and I record this, like I said, it is Monday, January 6th, and January 6th is a significant date in Chicago Cubs history. Why is that, you may ask? It is because on this day, the Chicago Cubs acquired Anthony Vincent Rizzo from the San Diego Padres in exchange for right-handed pitcher Andrew Kashner. And Brendan, I, I I would say, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm not, you guys know I'm not usually a hot take kind of guy, but I would go out on a limb here and say that trade worked out pretty well for the Chicago Cubs. You know, when you start seeing Rizzo's name by including his middle name, you know you've reached a certain territory in your mind, Corey. You only say middle names in the highest of honors. So Anthony Vincent Rizzo, for you, is already a legendary status, as, as he should be for everyone else. But I can't believe it's already been seven years. I remember seeing the deal, and my first reaction was like, oh, okay, you see a picture of... Kashner's volatility get dealt for a first baseman who, in theory, should have been stable. And that's exactly what Rizzo has been. It was an insane trade. And at the time, a lot of discussion of whether it was worth it, given Kashner's you know, prospect status. But no debate right now. Unbelievable deal. One of the best in Cubs history. Yeah. So I, I want to read a little bit of the blurbs from an ESPN article from January 6th, 2012, and just how this was described, right? Because obviously what we know now, this reads very funny to me. Uh, So I just want to read a couple of these blurbs. It does not say the author. Uh, It just says ESPN. (laughs) Just says ESPN Chicago. So don't go yelling at Jesse for the way that some of this is phrased. Uh, But it is amusing to me. So the, the article starts exactly like this. And if you remember this particular period back in 2012, you'll, you know, it'll make sense. But uh, even devoid of context, it's still funny. The article starts, quote, the Chicago Cubs may have gotten their first baseman of the future, and his name Mm. isn't Prince Fielder. What a start, (laughs) right? Like right out the gate, you're transplanted back to just another era of baseball. And oh, the, the article sort of describes Rizzo, gives some stats and things like that, talks about the fact that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod have all dealt with him before in Boston and obviously San Diego. And here is a quote from Jed Hoyer to the Chicago Tribune, quote, We believe Anthony has the potential to be a middle-of-the-order run producer for the Cubs for a very long time. He still has some development left. We feel what he's done at age 20 at AA and age 21 at AAA was remarkable. And I I just want to go back to that one point. We believe Anthony has the potential to be a middle-of-the-order run producer for the Cubs for a very long time. Well, let me tell you something, Jed. I am coming to you from the future. I am coming to you from January 2020, exactly eight years since 
this article and since these quotes came out. And let me tell you, Jed, he has been a middle-of-the-order run producer, not just for the Cubs for a very long time, but Brendan, he has been a middle-of-the-order run producer for the Mm. World Mm. Series Mm -hmm. champion. Chicago champion Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. You got it yeah. right, Jed. You, you pulled the trigger on the right move, my friend. Since 2014, Corey, these numbers by Rizzo are wild. Talk about consistency. 2014, a WRC plus of 155. They're on out. 2015, 145. The next year, the World Series championship year, 145 in 2016, 2017, 134, 2018, 126, last year, 2019, 141. In his career, he has a weighted runs created plus of 132, a weighted on base average of 369. Corey, he has been the most, the most stable Chicago Cubs bat the last decade. Beyond anyone's expectations, he broke computer models as well. There was an issue at the time when Rizzo was acquired by the Cubs. He was striking out. Like, he had a strikeout issue. He came up with San Diego in 2011. He struck out at a 30.1% clip in 150 plate appearances. That's because he could not hit baseballs on the outer portion of the plate. What happened? He crowded the plate there on out. His strikeout rate, which is insane, has been under 15% the last three seasons. Yeah, and I always bring this up, but one day, maybe 2020 is the year that he breaks the 32 home run barrier. He's done it three times. It's probably one of the weird facts I bring up the most on this podcast. I don't know why I'm obsessed with this. It just bothers me that he's done it three times and can't hit 33 for some reason, even though I mean, it, he's almost done it four years in a row. It was like 32 in 2014, 31 in 2015, and then 32 in 16 and 17. Right. It's insane. Yeah. 25 yeah. and 27 and 18 and 19. And like, he right. really looked like he was going to do it last year. And then injuries. he had that back injury. Then even when he came <laughs> yeah. back, he had that, I think it was that one weekend where he hit like three or four in a short span and you thought oh man like maybe he can do it and then of course the ankle thing happened and you know the ending of the 2019 season which we don't really have to talk about but 2020 is the year for 33 that's that's all I'm saying uh so yeah I I I think on the anniversary it's worthwhile to talk about those things and and kind of like going back to what we were talking about on the last episode, we were kind of like celebrating the decade of Cubs baseball and, and talking about how different it is to be a Cubs fan now. It's I, I love reading articles like this that are pre, obviously, 2015 and just like pre the rebuild, like really kicking into gear. Uh, just the, the the optimism from Jed Hoyer about what Anthony Rizzo could be and, and how confident they were in making this move and trading Kashner and just being able to think about that and at the same time google a picture of anthony rizzo with the biggest smile of all time on his face after catching the ball that wins the cubs the world series it's mm-hmm. it's just fascinating to go through time like that and and see how those things have worked out uh nothing makes me happier obviously than looking at that you know what's cool too is seeing rizzo with lester back in boston like when rizzo was going through his cancer treatment 
you know, Theo sent down Lester to go talk to him at the time. Rizzo was, I think, 18 years old when Lester visited him. And so there's pictures there. You have to go look it up yourself, too. But it's, it is it is surreal to see everything kind of come full circle, right? You have Rizzo, who is one of the biggest advocates for pediatric cancer, and to see someone who's connected with him even today with John Lester, you know, visiting Rizzo and providing that example and seeing the type of development that both Lester and Rizzo have gone through in the past 10 years, that in itself is really cool. And I think something to look back on. Um, and with this era, you know, really cherish. Yeah, I, I think that we would certainly be remiss to not discuss just the human being that Anthony Rizzo is while we're doing this. And I and I think we might have done this recently when we when that report came out that they were on differing views as as it related to an extension. Uh, but if you have a problem with us discussing how much we love Anthony Rizzo. I got news for you. You're probably not going to like this podcast very much. Yeah, Kevin Rizzo. We're going to do it a lot. I was going to get to Kevin Rizzo. I'm Brendan. It's been ten minutes. I just got to throw it out there. It's been too long. That's that's fair. That's on me. That that's fair. <laughs> but we we would be remiss. Like we are very lucky to have someone like Anthony Rizzo in this organization. I think it's it's very easy to look back at those bad years, like we were discussing on the recent podcast, leading up to 2015 and leading up to the Cubs winning the World Series. And you can really feel how important the figure of Anthony Rizzo was to all of this. And it's difficult to envision how this all goes if it's not Anthony Rizzo. And, you know, they they could have traded Kashner for somebody else. They could have gotten other guys. But you look back on the entirety of this process, and it, it just feels so important that Anthony not only performed as he did on the field, but that he is the leader that he is, that he is the quote-unquote captain of this team in basically everybody's eyes except for an official capacity, that he had that moment against the Reds where he was going to fight a role as Chapman, like that he is the the captain of this team, the leader of this team. It's so important to this whole process. And him being such a charitable person, so focused on helping kids and families in need with their cancer treatments and those in that whole process, he, he we're just so lucky that that this is the guy we get to idolize and that and that occupies that role uh, for the Chicago Cubs. And I, I feel very fortunate to be a fan in in an era where where that is the the pillar of this organization. I think we're very lucky to have Anthony and I, I think that anytime we can celebrate his joining the team, significant milestones of his, when we get, you know, a few months down the road in, in the summer, we'll we'll talk about his birthday, like things like that. So I, I don't think we can say enough good things about Anthony Rizzo. And and you're right, Brendan. I think I've only used three people's middle names on this podcast. Uh, Christopher Lee Bryant, Jonathan Tyler Lester, and Anthony Vincent Rizzo. Uh, and, you know, maybe we'll add some more down the road. Like, I don't know. But I, I do think there's something to be said about that. But yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's hard to say enough about how grateful I am for this trade and and grateful to uh, the San Diego Padres for for making this move. Like I said on one of the other podcasts, I I was weirdly fortunate enough to be at Petco Park when Anthony Rizzo made his debut uh, for the Padres. I had no idea how important that man would be to me today here in 2020, Uh, but I'm, I'm very glad that that trade happened and that Anthony Rizzo is a member of the Chicago Cubs, and I hope he remains that way uh, for the rest of his playing days, Brendan. 
he's going to go down as a legend in the likes of that like Ron Santo, Billy Williams, Ernie Banks type tier. It's just how it's going to be. He's not going anywhere. I, I refuse to believe the Cubs don't extend him. I just refuse to believe that. But you know, I'm reminded looking just at Rizzo's Fangraphs page and where the Cubs are at currently. And I, I, I alluded to it, but Rizzo did have his issues. Like the reason the Cubs were able to trade Kashner for Rizzo and not have to give up anyone else of significant value was because Rizzo had his issues. And I bring that up just because we see what the Cubs are doing with their different player development infrastructure or bringing in new guys like Justin Stone to lead this new wave of hitting development. And it's the same type of traits that the Cubs are trying to institute in 2012. And they were able to bring in Rizzo, who had success. They were able to correct some of his whiffs in his swing. And one of the biggest reasons for his success was because of Eric Hinsky. When Rizzo moved and started a crowd that played, his contact rate almost like improved by 100%. And so to have that type of talent recognition by the front office, but then able to mirror and match that with a capable, competent coaching staff, someone who's able to work with young players and get them to that next step, you see the value in that. What the Cubs were able to do was turn someone who had his issues, who may have been you know, a quadruple A type player, they made him the face of the franchise. Why? Because they were able to bring everything together and get the absolute most out of Rizzo's talent. And on the team right now in 2020, you have guys who have struggled. You have guys like Schwarber. You have guys like Hap. You have Nico who has not struggled yet, but could use maybe that next type of, of thing to get him to that next tier status. Seeing these new coaches come in, this new type of infrastructure, it is so necessary, Corey, because without, yeah, like you said, without Rizzo getting to that next stage, we're not talking about 2016 as the Chicago Cubs World Series champions. We're not talking about entering 2020 as the NL Central contender. Like We're not talking about this, if not for the Cubs' ability to identify talent in Rizzo and then take that talent and turn it into one of the best bats in the in the decade of 2010. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this before, and and it's an interesting, to use my favorite word for whatever reason, juxtaposition, to what Theo has said in, in this past offseason about how they've committed to the belief they bet on some of these guys maybe too long, right? I think that was an exact quote from earlier this offseason. And it's it's interesting to think about that with Anthony Rizzo, because as we mentioned before, like he's been acquired and traded and reacquired by this front office group multiple times from Boston to San Diego to Chicago. And so sometimes it's just a good point to say, like, sometimes you need that conviction, right? And maybe we're looking at a time where that didn't work and Theo bet on some of these guys and committed to some of these guys and thinking that they would be more contributing players than they are. But sometimes as a front office and as executives, you need to have that conviction. You need to believe 
this is a guy that's going to play a role for us going forward. I believe in the skill set. I believe in the development. And we, we, you know, sometimes you have to commit to that. So it, it's it's just maybe yeah. a moment to remember it's not always as easy to give up on certain guys or to identify the right time to move on from guys. And it, it stinks when maybe you do it too long. But Rizzo's an example of the these guys were very convicted that Anthony Rizzo needed to be a part of whatever team they happened to be running running, right? And that conviction paid off for the Chicago Cubs and and these three guys when he ultimately came to the Cubs. So just an interesting kind of comparison to where we are now, because I think obviously Theo's talked about that. So and he's talked about he's talked about Schwarber as well in the same convincing tone with that conviction. I mean, like Theo compared Schwarber to David Ortiz in uh, Tom Verducci's book, right? So he has that type of conviction for Schwarber. And to your point about waiting too long, you know, if Schwarber didn't develop in the second half or have the opportunity to develop in the second half, who knows? He may be doing this for a different team. So it is a weird balance of you want to try to give these players so many chances, but not at the risk of costing the team wins. And Schwarber was able to do that. There are other players like Albert Almora, for example. That's someone who you and I have talked about not deserving plate appearances. But nevertheless, we know the front office for reasons that maybe we don't understand. They they believe in him. Maybe that conviction is a little bit off-putting or maybe wrong. But this the, the one thing this front office does have is confidence in their abilities, whether or not that's good right now in this current Cubs era. They do have their, their strong opinions, and when they are convinced, there's very little to change the mind of these guys. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Yeah. So I again, I think we could ramble on about Anthony Rizzo probably for the full hour, and I, you know, I don't know how many people would complain, uh, but alas, we'll do this again soon, assuredly. Uh, as I said, we'll take any excuse to figure out a way to talk about Anthony Rizzo, uh, and I, you know, again, I, I did promise this; I would be remiss. He has brought Kevin into our lives, which is a, another yes. blessing for us in in 2019 and going forward. He could probably afford to post pictures more frequently than once a month. Do you think month. Kevin will come to spring training? Do you think we'll we'll bring him out? I would hope so. I I don't recall. I, I don't know if I'm positive where Anthony lives. I would assume Florida in in the offseason. Yeah, I think I think it is Florida. I you know, I try to limit my obsession with the players and their personal <laughs> lives to not knowing exactly where they live. Uh I'm proud you know, of just you. for for 
good reasons, but it's, it's a good first step. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if he'll be uh, making the trip or staying in Florida or heading to Chicago. I, I don't really know, but I, I have envisioned, and I I won't be attending CubsCon, but I'll be in Chicago and 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 attending some of the after parties and things like that with. Uh, friends of the podcast and other uh, social media folks, blog folks, etc. And I, I just bantied around the the scenario, like when they're doing those intros, would there be anything better, peak content, peak wholesome Cubs content than when Pat Hughes is introducing the Cubs and former Cubs to the dais in, in, in the convention hall or wherever they are? Would there be anything better than Pat Hughes in one of his classic Pat Hughes sweaters introducing Kevin Rizzo, who then comes out onto the stage, get this, Brendan, wearing a matching sweater to Pat mm. Hughes? No. Come on. <laughs> I can no, dream, the internet can't would I? Break. Yeah, you're dreaming. If that ever happened, I would have to like call you instantly to make sure you're still breathing. That would be like too much for your brain to handle. And because like, look, we know he's Kevin Rizzo. Okay. So like, he's obviously not going to wander around. He would go exactly where he was called, where he was supposed to. He would saunter down that runway like he owned the place. We all know this would happen. Of course. Right. And it would just be the, the cutest thing ever. They'd cut to Anthony like on the camera watching his son, you know, go head up for his introduction. It'd be great. Look, I'm just saying, Cubs, you haven't signed anybody. The PR isn't exactly great right now. Just give us something. Give us a wholesome moment. Could you imagine Rizzo just, you know, acting with Kevin as a show dog? I could see it happen. I could see Rizzo being like the perfect person for that, too. Well, I would think that, that too, Brendan, if we didn't get one picture of Kevin a month. I know. So I don't know what to believe well, is the point. Maybe he's just prepping them. He don't want to put everything out there all at once. You want to bring a finished product to the table. That's fair. One day we'll get, yeah. uh, and, and this is a good transition, one day we will get a photo of Kevin Rizzo and the future Bryant child, uh, and it will be the best content that we could ever hope for. Um, but I, I, I would be remiss, <laughs> and we won't spend as long on this because we've talked about, uh, to, go, to go full circle here, Brendan, Christopher Lee Bryant. We've talked about him a mm. good bit uh, in this offseason for very bad reasons, and I, I don't I don't even want to entertain them anymore, but we kind of have to. Uh, it was his birthday on January 4th. So uh, as usual for most of these guys, uh, we we are not going to let the occasion go by without wishing Chris Bryant a happy birthday. He is a soon-to-be father. He is an MVP. He is and has been since his debut in 2015, one of the best players in baseball. And as I always say when I say that, if you disagree, I am happy to provide you with the metrics that back up that point. Uh, I believe only Mike Trout and Mookie Betts have more wins Correct, yes. above replacement since Chris Bryant joined the league. And, uh, you know, going out on a limb here, Mike Trout's pretty good. So to be in that company and with Mookie Betts, I think Chris. It, I think you're safe in saying Chris Bryant is a very good baseball player. Um, so, a happy birthday to Chris. We are still waiting to figure out what's happening here, and I, I will simply reiterate what I have been saying all along. They should not trade Chris Bryant. They should extend him, and just like Rizzo, and just like Javi, they should all just be Cubs for the rest of their career. That's the core that they should be building around, and any discussion to the contrary, I am not a fan of. Speaking of extensions, Corey, so Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation did point out that last year around this time, Kyle Hendricks was extended. 
And this is right before all the arbitration salaries are due. And I'll read off some of the quantities and some of the salary projections for a lot of the guys. But some of these arbitration discussions, they, they may prompt an actual extension finalization. And so, for example, Chris Bryant, he is projected to make $18.5 million next season. Javi Baez, who's already been talking about an extension this offseason, apparently, he's projected to make $9.3 million. Kyle Schwarber, projected to make $8 million. Wilson Contreras, in his first year in arbitration, is projected to make $4.5 and then we have Albert Almora also in his first year projected at 1.8 million. Kyle Ryan, his first year as well, 1.1 million dollars. And so we know the Cubs are trying to get underneath the luxury tax. If these numbers hit, they will still be above the luxury tax by probably five to eight, 10 million, somewhere in that ballpark range. But the point being, especially for someone like Javi Baez and, yeah, even Chris Bryant, once you find out the conclusion for his grievance, that might spur actual extension discussions. And that may give more clarity on other players as well. Maybe they have clarity on Bryant and that allows them to actually come to the table with Javi and get more precise numbers down. Same thing with Wilson Contreras, same thing with other guys, maybe even buying out Kyle Ryan's arbitration if they want to do that. Probably won't happen, but these are possibility scenarios that could happen once this grievance ends with Chris Bryant and once all of these arbitration salaries are inputted, submitted, and hopefully signed without ever, ever even going to hearing uh, in a few weeks after that. So point being, we could be hearing some Cubs news, significant news in the next week or two, just because Kyle Hendricks was extended at the same time last year. Look, like we, you know, we joke about the PR and stuff like that, like heading into CubsCon and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think we have probably somewhat of a warped perception of the actual view, but it, it does feel especially negative as it surrounds the Chicago Cubs, especially when you consider like yeah. something like the Marquee Network, which is going to cost a lot of people a little extra money, even if it's not that much. Like it just doesn't feel like the the air around this team is is great right now. Even even if my perception on that is warped by being on Twitter a lot, which is skews negative certainly, right? Uh, and locking up some of these guys, especially considering the timing, like you just explained, does make sense just from like a business perspective. Like that's at least a way to kind of get back in some of the good graces, right? Like, you know, we didn't go out and make a splash in free agency. This is basically the same team that you've seen for the last couple of years, but we're going to commit to at least one of these guys for the long term, you know, because like we, we heard that they were going to talk to Javi at the winter meetings and that has obviously come and gone uh, for... Well, we don't know if they actually did or did not. Right, you know? but we they, but they nothing happened. Have, we just have no reports. Yeah, but, but yeah, nothing, nothing ended happened. up happening. So, uh, and then obviously, you, like I mentioned earlier, you had that Rizzo report where they were far apart on that stuff. And, you know, that was one of those things where you kind of understood it at the time, you know, they had bigger fish to fry, perhaps, but they still haven't done anything. So you're kind of just going like, okay, like, so you guys just have nothing to do is basically the the, the sentiment. So, you know, and that like is, 
having good PR before CubsCon a reason to do something? Of course not. But like, you know, there are games played through PR, certainly. and And I don't think you want your fan base to be particularly turned off by everything you do, basically, which is kind of how these last couple off seasons seem to have gone. So I, as I said, I mean, I would like to see some of these guys locked up. And, you know, certainly when you look at the forecast going forward, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of question marks as it remain as it relates to this roster, not only just for the 2020 season, but what exactly their plans are for certain things going forward. So I, I think at least doing that with one or, or multiple of these guys would provide a little bit of clarity on some direction as it relates toward the future, uh, depending on on who it is. But uh, I think we're getting a hobby deal done. I, I do. I think. Once the grievance is announced for Chris Bryant, I'm not saying that's having a direct influence on Javi's talks, but there's no reason for the Cubs to operate with any uncertainty with Javi during talks, especially if it's only going to take an extra month or two months, which is what has happened with this grievance, to lock a deal down with your other players. But once once that is announced, I, I think Javi will be locked up. I don't know how for how many years, but I think he will be a Cub for the next at least half decade come spring training, and I'm you know I'm pretty confident it's going to happen. Okay, so Brendan, again, like we've said a million times, like the Cubs have not done anything. There, there was a Jeff Passan tweet that you were showing me today that I think they were one of three teams that has not guaranteed a single penny to major league contracts from this offseason, from free agents. So we are... 47 days away, the Cubs play a game in Arizona, a a spring training game. They they have to show up with a roster and play this game. Speaking of spring training, this spring, follow the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. It's a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. There are 10 stadiums. 15 teams in beautiful 75 degree temperature. All these stadiums are within 50 miles of one another. So you can go to multiple games in one day. Plus, there's so much to see and do nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from all around the world. Plus, explore Arizona's beautiful outfield. You can go hiking, biking, go on Jeep tours, do hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, whatever you want to do adventure-wise, Arizona has you covered. And the best thing about Arizona this time of year, it is the ultimate family-friendly environment. You can bring your kids to spring training. You can go to all these family-friendly resorts and hotels to offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback riding to games and any activities. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. So we're heading into this arbitration period. We're heading towards CubsCon. We're hopefully heading towards a decision on the Chris Bryant grievance hearing that should likely result in him still being under contract with the Cubs for two years. Given what we know, and I think we came into this offseason wondering could 
Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ, Albert Almora, any of the guys, could these guys be traded? Could they find a way to unload Jason Hayward's contract or Jose Quintana? Basically everybody's name. We were hearing you Darvish rumors, right? Like everybody's (laughs) name has come up. But, But as we look at this, you and I have talked a lot about how I think even as it stands, while there might be a pretty high variance in what you could expect from this group, the top level talent of this team, especially if Yu Darvish is the pitcher that he was in the second half, if someone like Kyle Schwarber is the person that he was in the second half, is good enough to compete in this division, right? You've had the Reds make really clear moves to try and get better. They have a very competitive group. They should be an interesting team. But the Cardinals haven't done anything. The Brewers, I, I at least I believe, have gotten worse. So no one is running away with this division, so to speak, right? When you look at who's left on the free agent pile, even if it's even if it's a scrap, it's not even a pile at this point. It's a scrap heap, right? We can we can be honest about that. With with a very shiny Nicholas Castellanos, perhaps at the top, but it's mostly a scrap heap. Is there one thing? And I think it's it's probably a position player, probably second base or center field. If I'm guessing, is there a realistic direction that you hope? And, and and maybe possibly expect this team to go? Or, or do you legitimately think that we are just going to see nothing? And, and, I, and I sort of preface that with the notion that we've seen the Washington Nationals make a lot of moves. They seem to be out on Josh Donaldson, if you're reading the tea leaves, right? They've spent a lot of money on other infielders, other players, doesn't seem like they're going to be doling out that huge contract. So that seems likely that Donaldson might return to the Braves, perhaps, if we're extrapolating on the data that's available. So the market, even if the Cubs were going to trade Chris Bryant, which, say it with me, folks, they shouldn't, right? We need a studio audience, Brendan, to to jump in when, <laughs> when we say stuff like that that's repetitive. I mean, I can add it in there. But it, it it doesn't seem like that market is going to be huge. And we keep reading a new article comes out pretty much once a week that talks about the KB rumors. And it's usually, the, the context of it is usually the Cubs are asking for an insane amount, right? So mm. I, I'm not saying I, I don't think it's going to happen. I have no idea because I wouldn't be entertaining the possibility. So it's hard for me to really predict what's going to happen there. But like spring training is close. These arbitration figures and, and and rulings and stuff like that are close. This is all happening like fairly shortly. We're not talking about necessarily like months and months of an offseason left. The runway, to use one of Theo's expressions, has gotten pretty short here. So like, is there something you you realistically would hope this team could do given the notion that they're not going to blow a ton of money and that we're really playing with the slimmest of margins here as it seems they're going to have to improve from what they got the the, the free asian market is it, it's it scraps right now and it's not to say the guys in the market right now are not valuable and not to say that they can't be you know useful pieces to not only the cubs but other teams but the reality is the Cubs have two holes, major holes right now, and that's center field and that's second base. 
on the market, you're not going to sign guys to fix those holes. And if we're operating underneath the assumption that the Cubs will indeed be below that luxury tax, they can't even go out and sign a guy greater than $5 million right now. They can't even go and sign a guy greater than $1 million right now. That's maybe one reason why we're not even seeing any free agent signings whatsoever. So the improvements have to come from within. And we look at center field and we look at second base. The one position that I'm a little bit more anxious about of the two is center field. I do think at second base, there are scenarios, there are players that you can see take the next step, not saying it's going to happen, but that could in theory take the next step and secure the position. We have Nico Horner. We have David Bodie. We have even Ian Happ, who, by the way, is a natural second baseman, came through the Cubs system as a second baseman. Those are three guys right there that could, in theory, develop and lock down the position. <laughs> I, I hate even saying this, but I have to because I've been given no choice. Descalso is on the roster. He is a second baseman and a second baseman only. If he's on the team, if he makes it through spring training, the Cubs believe that whatever ankle injury that hurt him, whatever injury beyond that, that really deflated his value is gone. So if that's the case, if Descalso can get through spring training and look healthy, at least a mere a fraction of what he was in 2018, then maybe second base is not as bleak as it seems right now. But center field for me is a little bit more bleak. And the reason for that is you have Almora, you have Hap, who could be the second baseman, and you have Jason Hayward. You know, not inspiring confidence there. And I, I, I do like Ian Hap. I like what he can bring, but not particularly fond of his defense. And that's, that's ditto at second base too. But I feel like with David Bodie, I feel like with other options as well, second base as a defensive position is less volatile than that in center field when you include the offensive potential as well. Like Albert Mora could be maybe a you know average, a slightly below average defender, but his offensive value is in the bottom 3% of baseball. So that's completely tanking whatever he brings defensively. Outside of Al... Hap may have some center field issues. I thought he looked better defensively as the years have gone on, but his arm is an issue. And who knows what he ends up doing in a full year as a defensive center fielder. I, I think he has potential for it. I just have not seen that. Hayward, he rates like Al in center field as an average, just slightly below average defender. Hayward's aging. He's better suited in right field. And he may have platoon issues. Honestly, maybe it makes most sense right now to start the year assuming we're not going to sign anyone. And you give, I hate doing this, but it just, it's the only way to do it is you give a platoon to Al and you give a platoon to Hayward and you mix and match with Ian Happ at second base, with Bodie at second base. That way you can put Hayward back to right field when you need to. And that's the only way I see it happening. But I, I, I really do think with David Bodie in particular, you know, he had a decent year last year, a deceivingly decent year that, you know, kind of is 
even ignored by me at times. I mean, he ended 2019 with a WRC plus of 106 in 356 plate appearances. That was worth uh, 336 weighted on base average as well. And he was worth 1.5 wins above replacement. Granted, that sample is in a highly curated matchup just for Bodie. So whether he can do that in an everyday role, adjust consistently to facing major league pitching on a daily basis, we don't know yet either. And I'll finish it up here and throw it back to you. But with with Bodie, you know, the defensive numbers don't look good. And the opinions vary from person to person. I think he can be a capable defender at second base. Like Ian Happ, he's come up through the system as a second baseman. I think he has a good first jump. I think he has good instincts. What has killed Bodie in the last year are routine plays. For I, I have no idea why that's been hurting him. But we saw it even in 2018 when he ranges to his left or his right at third base. We saw the barehanded plays. He makes these plays. He has the instinct. He has the first step. I think he has the tools to be a good defender. He just needs to limit some of these errors on these routine plays. And because of that potential, when you combine that potential with Nico Horner's potential at second base, with Ian Half's potential at second base, that position seems more secure to me than center field. And if we're looking at the free agent crop right now, there are guys out there that might make sense, even as a backup or it's someone to throw into that pool of possibilities if they can free up uh, salary. Cameron Mabin. Uh, Gerard Dyson, not really fond of that idea, but he is out there. Also not fond of the idea, but Billy Hamilton is out there. And Kevin Pillar is out there. Those are four names that have started in the last two or three years with some team. It's just, do you want to expect that those four guys can drastically improve the team to the point that the Cubs need? I I, I don't know, but it, it's hard to say, man. I think we're going into spring training trying to get underneath the luxury tax. And that means no signings. And that means we need Almora to develop. We need Hap to take the next step. We need Nico Horner to take the next step rapidly as well. We may need his development to speed up for the sake of the major league team. And we saw that happen already in 2019. It's, 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 it's easy to get frustrated at it. There is also reason to be hopeful, especially a second base for those reasons. But I think the reality is, Corey, we're, we have to expect the Cubs will improve internally. And if they don't, then we're going to have the same discussions that we've been having for the past year. You know, that last part of that, I mean, that was a a long uh, segment from you, which was great. But that was one of those times where I wish that we recorded video of this as well. And, And you gave the proper context to it. So I understand what you mean. But I wish that our listeners... When I mentioned Al's name. No, I just wish that our listeners could... I looked at there's no camera, but I looked at a fake camera in the room I'm recording in, like Jim from the office, when you you basically you said a <laughs> sentence somewhere in there that was to the effect of, and you know, if Descalso's a shell of himself, it's not that bleak. I I, I looked at the, the you know, a, 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 I'm stretching, man. I looked at a camera wasn't there, like what? What? <laughs> that sounds <laughs> sounds pretty bleak, Brendan. I got to be honest with you. So if you uh, we're kind of like, what did oh he just say? Uh, for those of you listening, I, I'm right there with you. I, I almost gasped. I mean, they can cut Del Scalso and save like 80% of whatever No, I, I, I just was like, the, Brendan, you're talking about hoping for something from Daniel Descalso. That is like the definition of bleak Corey, to 
me. <laughs> it's January 6th. They I know. spent zero dollars. I know. I know, I know. It's not your fault, it's Brendan. Disgusting. It's not your fault it's that disgusting. we're in this position. I'm not blaming They've you. They've given me no choice. They've given yeah. me no choice. I'm not blaming so. you. It's just funny. But I, I think you're you're right about that. I mean, look, it, it's getting late. And there was an article today. Again, we're recording this on Monday, January 6th. Like there was an article today that the Rangers are, are very strong suitors for Nicholas Castellanos. So even if you're holding out that last hope, I, I know that and, and we're all like this. I'm not judging you if you're doing this. We're, we're all like this because we're Cubs fans. I know there's some of you out there holding out the desperate hope that Pat Hughes, just like Kevin Rizzo, is going to announce a surprise addition to the dais at CubsCon, and it's going to be Nicholas Castellanos. The crowd is going to go nuts. Ricketts is going to be laughing in the back. Ha ha, I got away with, you know, barely spending any money. Whatever, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how confident I am in that. And we've talked about, like, whether that's the right move, whether that solves their problems. Who knows, right? I mean, at this point, I would take it as long as it didn't mean they were going to trade Chris Bryant to pay for it. But, like, there just isn't a lot out there. And, and we talked, I think, on the last episode where, like, it's it's not really a good place to be. You don't want to force any of these things. If you're looking to trade some of these guys, you don't want to do it just to do it. But doing absolutely nothing doesn't really seem to serve either purpose, right? Like, you're you're not doing anything toward the future because you haven't locked anybody up. You haven't traded anyone to get younger or replenish the system or whatever you're trying to do. And you haven't made literally any improvements on the 2019 roster that didn't make the playoffs. So you're kind of in this weird middle ground. And as we continue, you know, the the episodes we record go by, more and more names come off the board, and most of them weren't even that interesting in the first place, but they're not there anymore, like, no matter how interesting they are. So, like, even at this point, you're talking about, like, drastic trades or probably nothing. Like, that's just probably what you're looking at. And like I said before, I'm not as uh, pessimistic about this group as it currently stands as others are. I'm not happy that this is what we're doing. It's, it, we've talked about this a thousand times. Like It's not what they what, should be doing. What is the reason for that? I'm not going to call it optimism. I'll call it like borderline. I would call it like non-pessimism. Pessimism. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like, what is your principal reason for that? It, it's just based on the, the, the top talent of this group. And I, I think that you know, you mean like KB and Rizzo? Well, or are you, you talking and I about, talked about the potential? throughout that entire season last year, right? Like that we just didn't understand why that team wasn't as good as they should have been, and a lot of that came down to some of the bad fundamentals that they had: bad base running, playing bad defense at times, blowing so many games, and over reliance on relievers that they you know, that did not deserve to be over relied on. It's, you know, obviously the injuries, which everybody has, I'm not using that as an excuse, right? Like it seemed to be a, a, a big like confluence of factors, like almost all a perfect storm, if you will. Right. And even to this day, I, I, I still just believe not to like necessarily, uh, give too much value to their Pythagorean, record or anything like that but I don't what did they win 84 games last year is that right 84 yep. Yep. um like <laughs> not that I 
am sitting here saying like that was a 95 win team like that just didn't you know a couple bounces didn't get that, that's not what I mean but like I didn't think that that was an 84 win roster I, 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 I still don't and I think that you saw positive strides from someone like Schwarber. You saw you Darvish be a, a completely different pitcher, and even if he's not that good, that's still more in line with, a, a, I think, a more likely outcome from him than whatever on earth was going on with, uh, you know, his command and obviously the injuries to start his Cubs career. And I, I just this division isn't that good, and so it, I, it's definitely not optimism. It, it I, I just think that. Th- the group has a high variance potential, but in that variance in is yeah. the potential that it's decent and, and good enough to compete in this division and perhaps win it. And, and I always say this, like, you have to remember, and this works both ways for, for where this team is right now, all they have to do is get to July right? Like, you don't have to look at this group and say, can this group as constructed, if we just said the offseason's over, this is the group they're rolling with. This group doesn't have to compete for a World Series. This group has to compete for a division for a few months, and then you can reassess things, maybe make some trades, call some guys up, move guys around, etc., right? Or, if you're being realistic about what we've been hearing and, and the possible directions this team seems to be going, if they're not competing— then maybe that's the time to sell off some of these guys and demand the highest price you can for different people. I'm not going to name names specifically because, again, I don't want to entertain them specifically. But, like, there's different ways to approach it. So it's it, it's not optimism, but I genuinely believe that this group is talented enough, potentially, to compete in the NL Central as currently constructed for the months of March, mm-hmm. April— May, June, and then into July to the point that it's worthwhile to make a move or two to supplement what you have and see if it's good enough, right? Like, I I also think that where you are right now, if you're not able to get the return on any of the guys you're looking to possibly trade, maybe you would at the deadline. And maybe that's a risk. Maybe if you're going to go that route, you should be doing it now so that you have as much time as possible to plan that all out and make the strategic moves and and, and do what you want to do rather than doing it under the gun at the trade deadline. I, I don't know, right? Like, as you all know, I tried to get paid to do this stuff for a living. It didn't work. So it's not my responsibility. But I I just think that you know, you you have a healthy Anthony Rizzo, you have a healthy Javi Baez not dealing with the thumb thing, not dealing with the heel thing. You have Chris Bryant not dealing with, you know, the shoulder, the knee, all that other BS that he's he'd been dealing with the last couple of years. You know, you hit on the highest percentile, and I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that this team could be pretty good. Uh, I, I, don't be- I don't necessarily believe that's what's going to happen. I certainly would bet on it. And for the millionth time, it should not be what a team with the finances and, and just situation of the Chicago Cubs should be relying on. But I think at the same time, some of the certainty, right, that gets written about and talked about that this is a bottom dwelling, you know, no good team. I'm not certain of that either. So it's not optimism, but this is what we have to go on, man. And like, if I have to dream that 
our our young Nico can come up and and play at a high level at that age for you know whatever role they're giving him and like you said someone like David Bodie can be a contributing member Ian Happ can put up some numbers like he did once he was finally called up Schwarber can be that guy you know, like I'll dream about it. Like I'm a I'm a Cubs yeah. fan. Like that's what I'm gonna do. And and yeah. you guys know me. I'm Mister 100 plus win projection. You're not gonna get that out of me this time with this team. Uh, but you know, like we've just seen stranger things happen. Like I I didn't think that the 2019 team was an 84 win team. Uh, in 2018, they won 95 despite you know, a, a weird ending to the season, scoring one or fewer runs in, you know, what was it, 40 games or however that all played out. Like, and 95 wasn't good enough to win the division. Like, weird yeah. stuff happens in baseball. Like, so uh, there, there's part of me that just wants to remember, like, let's just see what happens. Like, uh, you know, the, the the staff has guys that could have good seasons, right? Like, and so I think you just got to see what happens. I'm not happy about it, but I'm, I'm definitely not willing to, uh, write, you know, like sometimes you see this team talked about, like, as if they're like as bad as the Pittsburgh pirates and, and stuff like yeah, that. And that, it's just that, like, that, no, that no they're not, you know, like the yeah. variance is high. They could have a bad season, right. But just in like pure talent, like there and resources, like they're just not, you know, like, so yeah. I think I'm not happy about it, but I'm, I'm not as doom and gloom, I think is, as some of the other language. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. There's three reasons in my mind why 2019 happened, and two of those reasons we've talked about exhaustively for a year. Uh, the the main one that we talked about is the depth issues, right? Like we know the Cubs had significant depth issues, especially at the tail end of last season. We also know the other issue was the bullpen, and for the first two months of the year, first three months, basically they were not using. Rowan Wick. They were not using some of the other guys who might be major contributors in 2020 optimally. They weren't using Dwayne Underwood. They waited too long to even move Dwayne Underwood Jr. to the bullpen. Like these are issues that plagued the team last year. The third issue that we haven't talked about for I think the entire podcast, and it's not this is not an indictment per se, but it explains partially in my mind. What happened in 2019? And we can look at the degree of streakiness or the degree of consistency for each specific player in the lineup last year. And we can quantify that by using this like computer simulation model that I wrote about on CubsInsider.com. But you can basically quantify, put a number 
to streakiness. And we can use home run totals to do this. And again, CubsInsider.com has more details. But Corey, the two most streaky players last year on the Cubs were Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. And that's because of injuries. That's not to say that they are streaky by nature. That is 100% not true. We just read off years, a decade's worth of consistent numbers from Rizzo. Bryant, when he's healthy, is literally the most valuable player in the National League, arguably one of the best players in all of baseball, right? It's the amount of injuries, the degree of injuries that have affected this team last year in 2018. It can be seen as an excuse, but it's it's not. It is one of the factors that went into why the Cubs underperformed their expected win total of 91 by seven games. Bryant and Rizzo were by far the two statistically streakiest hitters in the lineup last year. That's not going to continue. It's in their nature for that not to continue. They just need to stay healthy. They need to stay healthy. And the Cubs have revamped some of their medical staff to accomplish that goal. But on the reverse end, the most consistent players on the team last year were none other than Wilson Contreras and Kyle Schwarber. And that gives me encouragement because those two players in 2018 and 2017, they were streaky, extremely streaky. Schwarber, his role wasn't even defined until the second half of last year. Contreras going into 2019, we were wondering if his power was actually legit. He was the most consistent slugger on the team last year. That should give you confidence. So if Contreras and Schwarber's adjustments carry over into 2020, which I think they will, and if Bryant and Rizzo can stay healthy, which I think they will stay healthy, those are just weird injuries. They're not traumatic in any degree. They're weird injuries. Then you're looking at four guys right away. We're going to give you value. That's not even talking about Javi Baez. That is five batters, Corey. And again, there's a lot of what ifs here. I get it. But Ian Happ, he was not with the team for half the year last year. Nico Horner, his development was stalled by a broken hand. He came up at the tail end of last year. Maybe he could have come up in August. Who knows? But he will be a factor in 2020. Addison Russell is off the team. He's not there anymore. Descalso. God for that better not happen again in 2020. That's all I got to say. Some of these extremes should not be present in 2020. And I think that right there is enough reason to not make you super pessimistic. I'm not saying those are reasons to make you extremely optimistic. But as you said, this team's not the Pittsburgh Pirates. This team on paper right now, statistically, is already projected to have the most wins above replacement in the NL Central. And there's reasons for that, justifiable reasons that can be seen as excuses. But in reality, I think they're actual reasons to not be pessimistic. I just want to throw it out there. I think we talk about this bullpen a lot. We talk about the depth a lot. But what we specifically have not talked about is the injuries that led to some of the inconsistent stretches. And that, to me, is one of the biggest reasons why this team underperformed their win total by seven wins last year. Brendan, we've we've reached the point of of this process. Uh, there, you know, it's like the stages of grief or whatever, where uh, we went through denial, 
We went through acceptance, and now we're at the, you know what? Actually, the Cubs not spending money is a good thing. No, no, uh, uh, it's it's not, and again. even to joke about that is not funny. It's not a good thing. Uh, but uh, look, guys, like, I don't, I don't know what else we can really say. Like, I, I think we can all bang our heads against the desk and be as pessimistic as possible, and, you know, but, like, what fun is that? Like, I, I think— to approach this season as it stands right now. There's plenty of time for them to make moves, as we keep alluding to, that will really piss me off, or make moves that you go, oh, you know, okay, like, that's a little bit of filling in some of the cracks. Like, all right, like, you know, this is fine, I guess. So there's a lot of time to to kind of change this, but I, I just think that's that's how we see it. I think you know that Brendan and I can be probably two of the biggest worry warts like on earth as it relates to literally anything that happens uh with the cubs i i again if this was a video podcast i would share the message i received in return when i showed brendan the video of brandon morrow sledding down a hill in the snow uh from a couple (laughs) weeks ago he wasn't happy about it um needless to say but like this is just where they are as we say every time we talk about the payroll and all this other stuff, we could come on here every week. We do an episode every week. Soon enough, we'll be doing two episodes a week. And we could say mm-hmm. how they should just spend more money. It's a joke that they need to get under the luxury tax over and over and over and over again. It's always going to be true, and we could always do it. But at the end of the day, this is the roster that they're putting together. The division they play in is the division that they play in. The landscape is the landscape. And I think at a certain point, we're all going to do this, right? Like we're all going to show up in spring training. We're going to watch these games. We're going to show up when the real season starts, whether you're watching on Marquee, whether you're watching on MLB TV across the country, whether you're finding streams on the internet, not that I advocate (laughs) that, but however you're watching, right? Or if you're just listening to the wonderful voice of Pat Hughes on the radio through an internet app, whatever. But all of us, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm almost positive that you are going to strap in for the long run with this team. This is a lifelong commitment, and it's, it's not about forced optimism or trying to find the silver linings. I think sometimes it's just about taking an honest approach to things, and right now, I'm not happy with where they're at, but I'm also not willing to say that this season is a lost cause and that there's no point in watching and I'm going to find something else to do for seven months. Like, I don't want to find something else to do. This is what I want to do. And this is the group that they have. So, you know, that's uh, just, I, I think, how Brendan and I feel about it. But hey, if they stink, we'll talk about Kevin Rizzo and Chris Bryant's future baby and how much we, you know, love some of these players on a personal level. And we don't have to talk about baseball. We'll figure it out, right? But that's that's kind of where it is. Like, we don't control the narrative, right? Like, we don't control the decisions, and neither do any of you. So uh, if you are super pessimistic about this group, I, you know, hey, like, I, I don't necessarily blame you, and it's uh, every fan's right to feel the way that you do. But I think that the the main point I, I would make is that baseball's a, a weird sport. Uh, you know, random stuff happens, crazy stuff happens, stuff that nobody could predict can happen. And uh, it, it's probably so Cubs fan of me to even think that stuff. But 
I, I think that the group has talent to make some noise, and if things go the right way, it can be a fun summer, and if they don't, well, then I think our expectations were already lowered a little bit with how these last couple off-seasons have gone, so perhaps it won't sting that much. And it's always worth remembering, it never stings as much anymore. Why, Brendan? Because the Chicago Cubs won the 2016 World Series. Yes, they did. World Series champions, yes, they did. So I think that's what we got. Uh, we will be back with you next week. As always, if something major goes down, we will jump on and talk about it just for clarification because it's only happened a few times. So there might still be some some confusion about what exactly constitutes the need for an emergency podcast. So just for reference, had Carlos Asuaje signed, say, on Wednesday, that would not, not warrant an emergency podcast. I just want to make that clear. I'm sure some of you might have been like, oh man, you know, this is the big news we've been waiting for. Uh, But no, alas, that is not something that warrants an emergency podcast. But if something does happen that that does warrant that, say, a significant trade, (laughs) which they shouldn't do, uh, or someone like Nick Castellanos rejoining the fold, things like that, we will jump on and we will discuss it and we will break it down. But otherwise, we will talk to you next Tuesday morning, late Monday night, whenever you happen to listen to it. And we will be getting ready for CubsCon and and, uh, whatever else may come our way. But as always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. You, as always, can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, most of the major podcast listening platforms. If you can't find us somewhere, as, as I've said before, let us know and we'll see if there is anything we could do to rectify that. And wherever you are listening, we appreciate when you can drop us a like, a five stars, a comment about why you like the podcast, whatever the platform offers to support the podcast. It does help us uh, in a number of ways and we appreciate that. But as always, more than anything, we appreciate your guys' listenership. We will talk to you soon and no matter what, we will end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser Permanente. I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Middle United States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.